This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey friends, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. All right, high school coaching series. Super excited to bring you another episode here. Of course, supported by V.02. I am hoping that this series is giving you some inspiration and also just giving you some motivation to go support your high school coaches in your area. This has been such a fun series to record. And if you are a coach uh, for high school runners or an everyday coach like myself, coaching runners virtually, I highly recommend you check out the V.02 app. It is such a simple way to program workouts and it is a way to elevate your coaching. V.02 uses tools and tactics based on the science of legendary physiologist and coach Jack Daniels. This is the platform I've used forever. And if you are a high school coach too, listening to this, you can use it too. So go to v.02.com to learn more and you can save 20% off your annual subscription when you just use the code coach Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y at checkout. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more before you sign up, just email info at v.02.com to learn more. All right. Well, today on the podcast, I'm so excited to bring you this conversation with Robin McGillis and Marie Davis Markham. Robin and Marie are the founders of Wildwood Running. Wildwood is committed to guide, empower, connect, and educate young female runners and coaches that impact young female runners. Robin and Marie are both high school cross country and track coaches themselves. And when they went to clinics, about coaching, they realized there was this missing piece and they have lots of questions about coaching high school female runners. So they have formed their own clinics with Wildwood to help empower coaches and now athletes themselves to teach about what it means to be a female athlete in these very formative years of your life. Robin is a coach at Central Catholic High School and Marie is a coach at Lincoln High School. Robin and Marie are both retired competitive runners as well, and they believe strongly in the power of female leadership in youth sports. And we're going to talk about all of those things in this episode. I want to send you to their website, wildwoodrunning.com, if you want to learn more. And if you're a coach and you want to connect with them, they're doing lots of awesome things with Wildwood. So I highly recommend you checking that out. If you are loving this coaching series, send it on to any coaches you know that might enjoy it as well, or any parents of athletes who might be interested in hearing from coaches. I think that that's such a great group of people who might be interested in this conversation, especially in regards to females and athletics in those middle school, high school years. Uh, All right, friends. Well, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Marie and Robin. All right, everybody, excited to bring you another episode for the high school coaching series. Uh, Shout out to Peter Bromka for suggesting these wonderful women for the series. Um, Some of you may have heard Lauren Fleshman also give a shout out to Wildwood Running uh, when she was on the podcast, but I'd like to welcome Robin McGillis and Marie Davis Markham to the show. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so excited to have you both on the show. Um, Let's start with an introduction of how you got into coaching. Robin, you're at Central Catholic Girls. So tell us how you landed there. Uh, Let's see. Well, I'm not originally from Portland, um, so I didn't really necessarily have any connections to the local community. But my neighbor across the street um, was a javelin coach at, at Central Catholic And I had done a little bit of volunteer coaching. I actually helped out at Central Catholic a few years before I started officially coaching there, just pacing some of the girls. And then I had a good friend, Charlotte Richardson, who coached at Lincoln High School, where Marie is, um, for for a period of time. But she also coached me as a post-collegiate runner. And I just, you know, saw what she did and saw how she worked with the girls and, and the boys that she coached at Lincoln 
and it just inspired me to want to be a part of that community. So Vince, my neighbor, when there was an opportunity at Central Catholic, he just came knocking on my door, and it was it was honestly I was I knew I wanted to do it, but at the time my kids were pretty young. They were uh, so I have two kids. My daughter Ella was like four, and my son Nate was one. And I just couldn't envision what that would look like given the time commitment for coaching and the time of day. Um, but I felt lucky to have my husband was really supportive, knew I wanted to do it. And so I just took a leap of faith and uh, jumped in and, and started coaching in 2013. So 10 years ago uh, this year, going into my 11th year at Central Catholic. You know, that's really interesting you bring up the parenting thing because I think that's something we hear talked about a lot with college coaches. Like you don't see as many women college coaches. A lot of times that family dynamic is like such a huge part of that. You're on the road all the time. Mm -hmm. And those those women coaches who have made it work, like Dilji Taylor, Lori Hennes, like we've talked to these women. It's like their support system. If they didn't have that support system – um, they really couldn't do it. And I don't, and it's definitely a cultural thing too, that the mother kind of like takes on that, like, Oh, I can't travel as much kind of role. Um, but we're seeing Mm -hmm. that change. I've thought about high school coaching too, though, because what your commitment is what, like three to five or something like that. It's, it's three to five, but really it's like, (laughs) Physically. I should say physically. One thirty to like 6.30. Yeah. So it's definitely, I think it's breaking down that barrier of like, um, one, you, having the community is important and that it's doable. And then realizing that the more we see each other doing it, like the more we see females out there coaching, you know, you see, see it so you feel like you can do it. Um, and other, other, and you just, you find a way and it doesn't have to be black and white. So I've always encouraged my assistant coaches that feel like they can only give a day or two. I say, that's fine. A day or two is great. Like it doesn't have to be full time. Um, I just want more of a female presence, um, on my staff and it's not always, um, going to be full time. And I think just honoring that will give you a more diverse staff and more people opportunities. And how about you, Marie? Tell us about you, um, your journey getting to Lincoln High School coaching. Yeah, I started coaching um, a lot later in life than Robin. Um, I was a teacher 20 years uh, teaching elementary school, first and second grade. And um, when my children were young, um, about six years ago, they were one and three, and I decided to work part-time as a teacher um, because I wanted to have more time with them. And then, you know, a typical type A distance runner, I was like, well, now I have all this extra time. I should fill that with something. And so I yep. <laughs> hopped down to Lincoln High School, which is where I went to high school, and met with the head coach, Eric Detman, and just said, hey, you know, I'm looking to volunteer a couple days a week. Are you looking for someone? And he was like, yes, like, please come come on. Charlotte Richardson, who Robin had mentioned, had left the program, and he was like, you know, we need a motherly figure. And at that moment I was like, Mm -hmm. am I, are you, are you saying I'm old? But really what he meant is like, (laughs) I'm a, I'm a 30 year old male coach. I need someone who can connect with these girls. And so he's like, yes, come on board. So my goal was two days a week. And I really only planned on like holding a stopwatch and helping time intervals and stuff like that. And now seven years later, I'm there, you know, six days a week helping um, him in all the ways I can. And um, so my, um, and then starting Wildwood, my evolution in coaching has been like really fast, but very meaningful and powerful for me. Okay. I love this. And whenever I did my last coaching series, and then when I read the book, have you guys read the book, um, Boys in the Boat? Yes. Yes. Okay. When I read that book, I was so inspired to coach. I was just like, ah, just like this team culture that we get away from, right, as adults when we're not engulfed in a sport like we once were. That's why you see so many adults joining running teams and clubs and whatnot. Um, but as a mom, I'm like, oh, that's a that's a huge commitment in like the time of day and all the things. So that's something you had to really think about, Robin. And then Marie, when you started doing it, you were like going to commit to what you said two days a week. Yeah. But then you get so invested in the lives of these kids. So when did you know, like, this isn't going to be just like a couple days a week situation? 
Yeah. I, I For me, uh, I started as an assistant coach for the cross-country program. And, like, uh, I, when I when I started, the girls' program at Central Catholic was not um, – we didn't place higher than, like, fifth or sixth in the conference. They had never gone to state as a team. They had sent individuals. But I had a couple girls on the team. One of them was Julia Green, who I assistant coached her in cross, and then I was the head distance and track. And what I had noticed in cross as an assistant for the first time, but I was just kind of taking it all in, was that the girls really weren't being challenged very much by the coaching that was currently happening. Mm -hmm. It was very like they ran maybe three days a week, there wasn't a real workout. We didn't align with the boys' team very much. We didn't go to really good invitationals. It was I, I was kind of disappointed. But these two girls came to me after our track season because I, I think I challenged them for the first time. And Julia was, like, inspired and said, you know, I want to – it was gonna going into her senior year. And she's like, I want to go to state for cross country next year. And I was just like, giddy up. Let's do – and at the time, the – the current coach decided to leave, so um, they asked me to interview for the job. I didn't really feel like I kind of imposter like syndrome, mm-hmm. like I didn't really feel like I was qualified to do it. Um, but I was inspired by these girls wanting to do something bigger than themselves, and I knew that that I could help bring structure. I could help bring inspiration. I could help bring a work ethic. I could, you know, build on that community, uh, sense of community, and really, like, use the inspiration of this girl, Julia Green. Like, I built everything kind of around that. And I felt like I, my previous work, I worked at Intel for several years in human resources, and I worked on team culture type stuff. So it felt kind of like a natural, like, I just felt inspired. I'm like, this is how I can continue to use Mm. or do what I'm good at, but in the high school setting. And, um, yeah, so I just, I think that, that moment when those girls came to me, I knew I was like, okay, I'm in, let's do this. Like you guys are, I want to help you realize, you know, that, that, that dream that you have. So that was my moment. And what about you, Marie? Similar for me, you know, I, I was a competitive runner from a very early age till my late twenties. And then I left the sport as a competitive runner, like I was always still a runner. And, um, so when I hopped on that track again, like that sense of, you know, that energy that the running community brings to you was just, was just became part of me so quickly. And, you know, in my thirties, I ran marathons and was part of a running community with a lot of my friends, but I missed that like really competitive, um, fun atmosphere where, where people are cheering for people that they don't even know. Right. And so right away I decided, like, I felt myself shifting from that two days a week really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that it was something that happened naturally, but I felt like I could provide some, some experience that some of these girls and boys, but mainly girls, um, might not, might not have, um, or have had yet. And I feel like having that experience is crucial in supporting them through their journey, right? Because when you can look back at 40 years old, you have such a different perspective than they have as 16-year-olds. So I felt very um, committed to the program immediately. And I was also lucky that our head coach really wanted to find an important role for me. So I wasn't just standing on the side following him around. I was given, you know, um, opportunities to use my strengths to help those athletes. And so it felt really empowering to myself as well. Okay, so let's dive right into like the importance of having women in leadership for these young women mm-hmm. running. And especially at this age, I mean, I think back and we talk about this a lot, you know, things have changed a lot, which is really good. More conversations are being had. But I just I even think back to my simple old cross country days, I you know, We did go to state as a team in Indiana, but like I was in the back of the pack, like nothing, nothing great. Um, But we didn't talk about like periods and like when your body changes and stuff, everybody just kind of like did, you know what I mean? Like you just kept running and some people slowed down and you didn't really talk about why or any of these things. And um, I'm happy that 
conversations are being had now and what you all are doing at Wildwood is just amazing. But I'd love to hear you both talk about the importance of having female leadership. Uh, yeah, I think that um, I think it's important for there to be female leadership for the girls and the boys. But but personally, and um, it's really important for the girls because a lot of you know Robin and I look around and we're one of the few female coaches you know in the area. I do think there's so many more um, women coming into coaching. Like in the seven years I've been coaching, I feel like it's changed a ton. But I do think you know we were doing a clinic in Chicago, and um, Dan Iverson, who coaches at Naperville North, has a very very great girls program said he said I'm confident that I will never be confident enough to coach my girls to exactly what they need and what he meant by that is like I don't have that same lived experience I haven't navigated a menstrual cycle I haven't gone through puberty in the same way they have like I can learn all that I want and I'm going to try and and get all this information and support them in ways I can but there's something missing, right? Like I was born as a male. And so I think that that's important for us to realize. But I think like Robin said earlier, like it's important for um, girls and boys to see women in positions of, I don't want to say power, but in, in roles that that are leading you people. You can say power. Yeah, <laughs> but that are leading people. And so I think that's so important that they get to see that through, um, you know, through our work, Um Robin and I are part of a boys club, right? We're trying to immerse ourselves into a boys club. And there are so many male coaches that completely embrace us. But it's a lot more work for us um, to be able to get ourselves in those positions, I feel like. Yeah, and I think having, you know, each other as, um, you know, we often, like, we yesterday even, we were chatting and we just, we both come from, like Marie said, uh, staffs that are like my my immediate staff for the girls side is all women but the staff for the boys side is all male and when I started at Central Catholic especially on the track side I was one of two females on like a 10-person staff and it felt intimidating I felt welcomed but I also felt you know just years of women not being there just like I was gonna have to work through something in order to earn my spot at the table um, and I think there's a lot of things that you have to work through as a female in a male dominant environment that it's just nice to have other females to, to talk it through, to like relate to, to like problem solve with, to lift each other up. Um, you know, I think, you know, Marie and I try to, we try to, you know, lift each other up. We're, we've done a good job. I feel like in Wildwood, even, you know, when Marie's team won the boys state title, you know, we, we try to, highlight those things and we're proud of each other for those things and um, highlighting those things because it's things sometimes there's this inherent sense of like I don't want to put myself on a pedestal I just want to put my head down and work that's what I need to do as a female I just need to get it done I don't want to draw attention to myself but I think and I'm that way um, probably um, just naturally but at the same time I think as female female um, Females in a more male-dominant environment, we have to work to lift each other up, to highlight the awesome things that we're accomplishing, that we're doing. The, the um, Sometimes we don't even realize it because we just do it day in and day out, and we're like, gosh, that's pretty awesome that you do that. You're like, And then somebody points it out, and you're like, yeah, that is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like I've been working for 10 years to get to this point, and, um, but you really have to, I think, rely on your sisters kind of in sport to help, um, to, to help point that out sometimes. Yeah, when you said that, I was thinking, gosh, and the ability to take a compliment, like the ability to say, oh, yeah, like that is badass. Like I did that. Well, it, we have to do that ourselves because we want the athletes we coach to do that as well because they're so critical on of themselves, right? Like in running, it's so time-based. So like if they have this goal, I want to run 21 minutes or whatever for the 5K and they're at 21.05, they don't view that as success. But they have to see us do those things before they can do them themselves. Yeah, so how do we model that? Like how are you modeling that as coaches to them? I think for us, it's having conversations at Lincoln. You know, we're we're having these conversations with kids one on one, whole group, small group to really have them understand, um, you know, who they are and where they're at. Um, I read a book last year that I love, Brad Stolberg, um, mm. 
uh, Practice of Groundedness, like one of my favorite books. And one of the things I got from that is just accepting who you are, right? That's the only place you can be before you want to make change. So I've talked with our girls a ton about accept where you're at. Once you can get to that place, then you can make some growth. And so being able to accept like, oh, I am too hard on myself or maybe the opposite, like everything's all fine and dandy, right? But being able to accept where you're at and then saying, okay, I need help. Like Robin, can you help me? Or Coach Marie, can you help me? Or finding a teammate or someone that you really feel like has your best interest or the expertise to support you, um, I think is really important. And then we'll be able to model like, that's the growth that happens and then show how we do that as well ourselves. Yeah. I think with Wildwood too, what's, what's kind of cool is that we like Marie and I are at, you know, we're not rivals, but we're, you know, we're high schools competing on at the same meets, but we work together as females in this male dominant environment to, to, to for Wildwood and Wildwood the mission, it cuts across all schools. You know, we want to bring every female runner together and we call it the, you know, we, we talk a lot at our camps and our clinics about um, you're now part of this Wildwood community where you have these resources um, beyond your teams um, to help support you as a female runner in your, in your journey. And I just think, um, you know, Marie and I just being a part of that and lifting each other's teams up and um, I, I think shows that like, yeah, there's there's important team goals, but there's also just life goals, like being a good person, being a, you know, how do you support other females regardless of what team they're on, um, that I think that Marie and I role model that just in what we do day in and day out with Wildwood, but we also try to really highlight the importance of community across, across all schools, across ge- geographic areas. All right, friends, just a quick break here to remind you that this series is supported by V.02, which is a coaching app for runners of all levels based on the science of legendary physiologist and coach Jack Daniels. There are so many amazing programs across the country using V.02 to enhance the programs they already have. Not only as a coach do you save time, you are elevating your game with workouts that promote a healthy, responsible way of training, beneficial sessions while not overtraining. And you all can try it out no matter what level of a coach you are, what age group you coach, you can try a 30-day free trial of V.Coach and start inviting your athletes. Just visit V.02.com. Now, if you want to subscribe, coaches can use the code COACHLINDSAY to get 20% off your annual subscription. If you want to learn more, just email info at v.02.com to set up a demo or speak with a member of their team. All right, friends, back to the show. So Wildwood has been around for two years, three years? I think three and a half. Yeah. Three years? Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about the evolution of it and also like when you decided we have to do something more like we're coaching these high school teams but we want to create something more for these young women yeah it started um i mean robin and i have known each other we don't know when we met but we've known each other for years and when i started coaching she was one of the only first only female coaches out there and so i gravitated towards her so we developed a friendship and you know we're allies out there on the field and stuff um, but we would go to coaching clinics, um, mainly males in the audience, mainly white males speaking, um, and mainly talking about boys. And we would sit there and say, something's missing. Like, mm-hmm. we would like more information on, like, this is, I mean, first of all, the information provided was fantastic. Like, there was a lot of great information around the ins and outs of coaching, writing workouts, mental health. Like, there's a lot of awesome information out there. But there was a piece missing, and that was coaching the female athlete. And we just felt like, well, how would this be different if a girl is, you know, her body is in a big change right now? How would this be different um, as hormones and menstrual cycle are kicking in? And so we just felt like we wanted more information, and we happened to be 
at a clinic and we were at a bar late two in the morning and with a bunch <laughs> of women coaches and they were like, do this, do this. And Robin and I were like, okay, let's host a clinic that really just focuses on those things. Like we want this information. I'm sure there's a ton of people out there. So we were like, we'll bring some people together. So the next week, I think she texted me and she's like, uh, are we still doing this? And so she came <laughs> over to my house and I I live right near Forest Park and there's a Wildwood Trail and we're like, let's name it Wildwood Running. And the whole goal was to have one clinic a year really focusing on coaching athletes. And a month after we had made this decision to start, COVID hit. And so we just did a ton of pivoting. So Wildwood was, you know, originated as one clinic once a year. And now we've just been kind of in this whirlwind of what is it and where is it always following the same mission, but how we reach individuals and people has evolved over time. Okay, because you started out as a clinic to teach coaches. Yes. Yeah, we wanted to, we wanted, we, we brainstormed, you know, we said there's um, some good information out there, but there's also people that are writing this information, that are teaching this information, like dietitians, doctors. Who could we bring in where we could add tools to the toolkits of these coaches so that they could better coach their female athletes? Um, we just started brainstorming, picking the brains of other coaches, getting names, calling people, talking to them. Um, until we put this kind of lineup together, and we—I think it was over two—is it two days we did mm -hmm. the first time yeah. we did it? And during COVID, we were a part of all these like cross-country coaching calls that sort of popped up because people were looking for support in during COVID times, and that kind of helped us a little bit because we had mm. over a hundred—they had 150 coaches or so call in to this first um, virtual Zoom clinic that we did. Um, yeah, so that was really the kind of the start of it. And then, like Marie said, it just sort of evolved over time, but we've just followed it organically. You know, the next step was like, can we do something for the girls? We did a virtual girls camp over three weekends during COVID, and we had over 300 mm -hmm. girls as a part of this virtual girls camp. Um, again, we brought in some um, some experts in different areas related to girls' health, mental and physical health. and But also underlying, I think, all of the, like providing tools to both coaches and athletes, underlying all of it is really kind of like Marie said in the beginning and where she's uh, kind of her forte is, is the girls' talk. Like how do we weave in facilitating conversations, um, both the girls and the coaches, around some of these topics so that they feel more empowered and to talk about them and can feel more, more vulnerable and lift each other up. Um, so that is kind of the backbone of, of whatever event that we might host, whether it be an in-person camp, a virtual event, a clinic. So, yeah, I think, you know, I had mentioned earlier that like back in the day when we were in high school, all of this just like didn't get talked about. And sadly, there are still programs that that is the case, right? You're just like carrying on with your day and you know Susie starts her period when she's 12 mm -hmm. Janet starts her period when she's 17 and there's just like this big range of bodies and kids going through different things so I'm curious when you have a new group of kids coming on to your team like how focal is that as a as a talking point and when do you bring it up versus when they bring it up kind of thing I mean, for our program, it's it's a huge focus. Like we, um, our season starts in two weeks and we've already had the conversation with our athletes. So navigating their changing body, menstrual cycle periods, you know, iron, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think it's just become something that's incredibly important. And it's very embedded in our program because I've been doing these girls talks now for four years. So the older girls are automatically talking to the younger girls. But I make sure that at some point in the season, usually very early on, the information is coming from me so that it is someone with, you know, I'm not a scientist, a doctor or anything like that, but I just have more experience. And through Wildwood, I have learned so much that I can give those to those girls. But yeah, we're we're um, talking about it right away. And, and to your point, the um, 
we have parents reaching out to us. We have coaches reaching out to us like, our coach isn't talking about this. How can I help my daughter? And so we do have a lot of people wanting this information. Um, but you're right. There are still programs out there who are not doing it. And we're going to need to rely on the girls that come either to our camp or to learn from elsewhere to help ask, like, can we talk about this? Can you find a resource for us? It's important for our, for our teammates to understand this. So not only can we be fast but we can be well-rounded and we can be healthy and our bodies can have longevity in sport. Yeah. One of the things that Lauren Fleshman has talked about a lot in the past is that riding that wave, mm -hmm. you know, like when you start your period and when your body changes, like you probably will slow down a little bit mm -hmm. as you're adjusting, but like ultimately you ride that wave and you end up like a much stronger runner. Uh, and that is so mentally and physically challenging for a young woman. Sometimes it happens in college. Sometimes it happens, you know, you see these like middle school girls who are running so fast and then they get to high school and body starts changing. Um, so how do you help them navigate that? Well, I think like Marie said, you know, she, similar to her, we st you start talking about it early and you, you normalize those discussions and I think you you nor you both normalize it, but you also it's you know providing good content, whether it be from Lauren Fleshman or or another author or a podcast, where girls can like through her through the girls talks that Marie hosts, um, she has a, a, a something to read or listen to, and then you have conversations around it. So it, it get normalizes conversation around those topics. So a lot of times. The girls will discuss it in the girls' talk, but then they also discuss it when they're on their run. You know, um, they're they're having those conversations so that whether and understanding that everybody's journey is different and how do we support each other in that? Um, I think, you know, beyond providing the content of the fact that like the journey can be different, is also creating a culture where girls are supportive of one another, right? Mm -hmm. Because understanding that like. One kid might hit a little bit of a plateau or a downward dip for a little bit. The same time, they've been having the same times as their running partner who continues to, to dip up. And, but how do you support each other in that, knowing that the journey is different and, and, uh, and having a strong culture, I think, is, is a part of that process in addition to the having those uh, topical conversations yeah. with Girls Talks. And I think delivery is huge, right? If you're presenting this information in a way that scares them, then yeah, you're going to have a totally different reaction. But if you're presenting this information and like, hey, this is what we know, but Robin, you might be very different than Lindsay as you're navigating this. And there is no assumption as to what you're going to go through, but having this like open and honest conversation, but the delivery is so important and that they're feeling like, oh, this is like a rite of passage. This is something I want to go through because I know that when I'm 25, I want to be still running or I might choose to have children one day and this is going to help me in that way. And so not just keeping it so focused on, you know, where they are in the moment, but really putting it into like a perspective of their future. Then when they get into that time and it's really hard, it's still going to be hard. Like there are people who I see every year who have tears over mm -hmm. this trajectory that they're navigating but they know, like, this is so hard. Coach Marie, I hate this. This sucks. But I know I'm going to be okay in the future. And so just kind of trying to give them that, like, um, a little bit of a path that they can follow. Even if they're not feeling like, I love this, I'm confident, they can kind of trick themselves getting through it a little bit. Well, and they're empowered with the knowledge. So it's, yeah. it's less of a scary thing that they have to hide and not talk about versus something that is now a common a uh, common thread amongst all the girls that they can have that conversation and lean on each other, both the coaches and their teammates. It's also just coaching aside, like I just think about this in terms of like parenting your daughter, you know, it's like, did other people's parents talk about this? Because mine sure didn't. No. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, um, and it's one of those things too, as your kids get older, you know, even when they're young, I think about like the food discussion and things like that. It's just like, gosh, I don't want to mess this up. Gosh, I want to do this well. And you almost like sometimes can feel words falling out of your mouth and you're like, was that the right way to deliver right. that? Should I have said that? Should I not have said that? And I mean, ultimately, like we don't want to put too much pressure on ourselves. Like we're, we're just humans here. Um, but I'm just curious how you would encourage parents 
of kids walking through this and coaches, male or female, like in their delivery and in like if the kid doesn't bring it up, you're the one that brings it up. Like how do we even begin to navigate it? I think like Robin said, knowledge is power. So mm-hmm. providing some sort of information um, so that they have an understanding of what their body is going through. Like all of these students learn, you know, navigating puberty in health class, but they yeah. don't learn it as a distance runner. And those are two very different things. And so um, I think knowledge is power. My um, my go-to, so with these girls' talks I've created, we like Robin said, we always read an article. And I just think that that's really important because what can happen is when an athlete decides to be in part of a conversation, whether it's with their parents, a coach, their teammates, they can talk about the article rather than talking about themselves. So it feels safe to be able to talk about a passage from Lauren's book. That, like we use a passage from her book a lot um, in our girls' talks at Wildwood so that they can start having a conversation about what Lauren went through or the person who's writing an article or a podcast. So then it's a, it's an easy way in um, that feels safer. And then what happens often is then people start to be like, oh, wait, I've seen that in this situation. Or, you know, I felt my parents say something in a way that felt kind of hard. It felt icky to me. And they didn't, I know they didn't mean to, but maybe that's where that conversation went. So I feel like giving people a safe entry is incredibly important. And it's hard to know how that works for each kid, right? But being able to try in ways that um, don't feel so like you got to do this, you got to do this, make sure you feel confident here. It has to be a like a conversation that evolves over time, I think. Yeah, I think that like, you know, with the girls talks, the the way we, the way I do it is a little different just because I don't have a Marie on my staff and that's as dedicated as Marie is. I mean, I have dedicated staff, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Um, but, um, but I've, uh, my girls, I work with them, but I've, I've empowered them to, um, learn how to deliver the talks like that Marie does. And then the girls and I will work together. They'll pull the girls on good topics. Um, and then they'll come back to me and say, here's a topic we'd like to discuss. And then I might help them with an article and I'm present in the room so I can help mediate if I need to facilitate it all, but they really, really lead it. But then I, I think education with the parents um, up front, like we were talking about, I forget what we were talking about earlier, but it, it was a thought that I had when we were talking about just letting the parents know at the parent meeting right off the, like Marie said, they, they're already working on it. I think they had team camp recently. They probably did some talks there, but also what are other entry points where you can normalize these sorts of discussions that are going to happen with your, with the athletes and and letting the parents be a part of that process to some extent is in that parent meeting, letting them know, here are topics we're going to discuss. Um, as a part of our team culture, we feel like it's important for girls' health. Um, when I do my weekly newsletters, if we're going to do a girls' talk, I let them know the topic that we're going to be discussing. Um, girls always have the option to attend or not attend. It's not mandatory, um, but it's encouraged. So I think it's just it's a big cultural shift, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just like and like to what you said, what to say, not to say. I was having that conversation the other day with somebody, actually my, my own daughter. I was having a conversation with her because we, we had gone to a camp and I was reflecting on some things that another, another coach had said that bothered me. Um, I felt like she was commenting on her body a lot in front of me. And I said to my daughter, I said, I'm comfortable enough in my body that that's fine, but I don't feel like that's a positive thing for her to be presenting in front of other athletes. Um, so being cognizant of how what you say, do, how you eat, how you talk about what you're going to eat can, can you know, again, like we already have so much to think about as parents. Um, and But also just being falling on your sword and saying, hey, I always say this with my kids. I'm not going to do this perfectly. Mm-hmm. I'm trying the best I can. Just being vulnerable. Like you don't have to be perfect. You just have to try. And I think they will recognize that. And as they, they're so empowered these days, these kids are so smart. And half the time, more than half the time, I find they've already discussed some of these things mm-hmm. um, on their own. Uh, yeah, that body comment. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that really, yeah, it was, it bothered me over the camp. And I was like, oh, which I was like cringing a little bit, oh, you know, but. 
Um, I'm curious what you would say to like a male coach who like, he doesn't have women on his staff or like, this is just, you know, maybe he's seeking it out, but it just hasn't happened. Like, what would your advice be to, to a male coach as a female coach? We've actually had um, lots of questions around this, but twofold, you need a woman on your staff. Like you need to find someone. Um, even if it's someone who just graduated recently and is taking a gap year or, or going to a local school around or has a job, like how can you get someone on your staff at least a couple days a week? But then two, like whether you're a woman coach or, or a male coach, like you absolutely can host these conversations. You should be having these conversations. Um, I know that in our program, all coaches are having these these conversations and we're like 50-50 women men coaches um so it's it definitely you need to find your entry point and Robin and I when we speak at clinics um we try and give lots of different entry points you know some coaches their entry point is um talking to the to the parents and give like hey we're going to this year I'm going to use the word period I'm going to ask them about their training I'm going to ask them about their mileage I'm going to ask them if their shins hurt and I'm going to ask them if they're getting a period and just kind of putting that out there um some are having one-on-one conversations with girls. Some are hosting girls' talks. So just giving an entry point because I think once it starts, it's a lot easier to be able to continue that. We had a coach say, you know, I don't feel comfortable talking to a high school girl about her body or having her period. And so our suggestion to him and that we came up with together with him was like, Bring, a, bring your female assistant coach on. You have the conversation because you want to have it, but have her there so you don't feel like you're inappropriate or whatever. Yeah. 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 I think that, um, you know, we've we've had many male coaches reach out um, um, that want to have these conversations. And I think it's just supporting them in their journey and, um, and also applauding them for wanting to have these conversations, right? Because that's – it's – Culturally, for them, it's not a norm. So as as things evolve and these conversations are happening more, that's kind of been a key demographic is how can we empower our male coaches um, because it is such a large percentage of the coaching population um, that, that impact these girl runners, these female distance runners. Um, how can we better support them? Um, and and having these conversations. And I'll say it is scary the first time. Like the first time I did a conversation with my girls, probably four years ago now, you know, I had a little bit of of, um, fear of saying the wrong thing. I've been in the sport so long. I know that people are triggered by certain conversations. And I was really afraid to have, to say something wrong, to mess up, to put a girl in a position where she felt uncomfortable or she felt scared or she felt worried about what was going to be happening to her body. But then I had my first conversation and the girls were just like, oh my goodness, this is, this makes so much sense. This is what's been happening in my running. You know, some of the seniors had already evolved in this it threw a lot of ups and downs and no one had ever talked about it and it made sense to them. And I think that it it felt so scary to me, but I realized like silence is so much worse. As long mm. as I'm leading with authenticity and I'm leading with love and I'm saying, hey, I got you. This is some information. I might not be spot on. I might not be completely right. I don't, I'm not a doctor, but this is what I know. And I'm a mom, I'm a teacher and I'm a coach and I love you guys. Like here's some support then you're going to be able to continue having those conversations. But for anyone wanting to start them, it is hard at first. It fe- unless you're, you know, someone who speaks on that all the time, it's it's scary. Yeah. And but it has to be done. And regardless of gender, too. Yeah. And and mentioning that regardless of gender, like I want to make it clear to listeners, like I'm not hating on male coaches right. like no all of my kids are males. Like (laughs) if they want to grow up and be a cross country coach, I want them to do that. Um, But I just, I want to make sure that we are focused on like you said, I mean, it sounds like you say you need a a female on your staff. I believe so. Yeah. And you can, you know, even if the other avenues, even if you don't, you know, you're searching for, because we've had coaches that have reached out and they're looking for female coaches and have, have struggled a little bit, you know, bring a diet, um, a, an expert on staff to speak to the girls 
uh, a few times during the season as an entry point, like Marie said, you know, bring a dietitian that's a female, um, bring a, a doctor that can talk to them about their menstrual cycle. That's that's a female. Um, just so starting the process of showing them or giving them avenues, and even if maybe the athletic trainer on staff um, at your school is a female. That's another person that you could have as a part of your bring on as a part of your staff, so that the girls have. Um, multiple multiple female role models, people that they can go to if they need to. And they don't have to be have running coach background. Like it could be a teacher at the school mm. who you feel like makes great connections with girls in sport. It could be the swim coach who knows nothing about running but knows how to coach and is a and is a woman. So it could be a parent of a person who's graduated in the past. Like it doesn't have to be like this specific, like awesome running coach, but someone who can connect them in a way that's different um, than maybe a male coach, I think is, but you have to think out of the box because sometimes it is really hard to find women coaches like we talked about with the demands of families and, and other workforces and stuff. Well, yeah, and because my thought is like, you're not coaching for the money no. in the first place if you're the head coach, right. let alone... If you're bringing on an assistant for this, mm -hmm. it's likely a volunteer job. So yeah. finding a person who has the passion and time and energy yeah. to fill that role is probably really challenging. It is. It is. Yeah. Robin can speak to this better than I can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I think, again, there's a little bit of luck involved for, for sure. You know, it's, you know, tapping into your running community to find people that maybe already have a love of the sport and, and, a, and they want to give back to that sport. I mean, that's what I think Marie and I both, um, we feel so lucky because the sport has given us so much and, and we're l lucky in that we're in positions where we can do this, where, um, you know, my, family income is not dependent on me having, you know, I'm able to pour a lot of my time into this. Um, so I look at it as my, my way of giving back to both, you know, the running community, but also just girls in sport. You know, I have a daughter and, and I was like, I want this to be a place where my daughter feels like she can thrive. She can be her best self. Um, and she can love who she is. And, um, yeah. Sell this. Come on, sell this to people who are like considering, like we probably have a lot of female listeners mm -hmm. who have the um, capacity to maybe do this like once or twice a week and like to join forces with their local high school or something and be that, that, that person that is needed. Um, I'm not saying everybody listening has all the time in the world. Don't get me wrong. I feel you. Trust me. I feel you. As we're having this conversation, I'm sitting here thinking, I wonder who is even on staff at the high school my boys are going to go, you know, yeah. go to high school at. I don't even know if there's a female on the track and cross country staff. Maybe, maybe it is a female coach. I don't know. Um, but yeah, how would you encourage people to be like, go see if they need you. Go see if they need someone to get involved. I mean, I think just you know, remembering what it was like when you were a person on the team as a, as a teenager or as a middle schooler and how, you know, how much you loved um, being a part of that community. And um, this is a way you can give back. And kind of like Marie said, when she started, it wasn't a full-time commitment. Like you can go, I think coaches are now more open to varying levels of involvement um, because because it is hard to find really good help. And so one day a week um, can can be a lot for I've had a coach on my staff who's a counselor at our school who helps out one day a week for 10 years. She's helped me one day a week. And every year she comes back and she says, Robin, are you sure this is helpful? I'm like, yes. I said, what you provide in that one day, is amazing. The kids love you. She's on staff, which is helpful, so the kids can go to her during the school day. Um, she's a counselor, which is also another. You know, if you have a, a like a if you're an, a listener and you you have a skill set, if you're like a, a nutrition dietitian, um, a therapist, you might be able to bring some of those some of your professional skills into play that might help the coach, even if it's just one day beyond. You don't have to have that skill set. You just can be just a person who cares. Mm. Um, and anybody can connect with these runners. Like, 
you have multiple coaches on your staff for a reason because you're not going to, I don't expect that I'm going to connect the same way with every girl on my team. Um, some of them connect better with another coach um, because personalities are different. So that's why I think having a very, a very, very personalities on the staff is also super important. I don't even, my high school coach didn't have an assistant. Like our cross country coach, it was just her. I mean, her, her dad coached the men's team and she coached the mm -hmm. women's team. And it was just, it was just the two yeah. of them. Well, it's so Marie's team. That would be hard. Cause I mean, my team's smaller. I could get away with it. Cause I have like 30 girls and maybe 30 boys at 60 total, but they have like over 200 kids on their team. Wow. That is huge. For cross country, we're more like over a hundred, but for track, yeah, we're over 200. That's so. still a lot. Yeah. Still a lot. A lot so of kids. Need yeah. But just to add on to what Ro I would agree with everything Robin said, and then I would add on, it's the best thing you'll ever do. Watching kids Aww. set goals for themselves and go after them and knowing that you've given maybe a tiny little sliver of advice to help them along the way is not only rewarding for yourself, but it's so empowering to see these kids do things. And like as someone who had young children, I was like, oh my gosh, high school kids, like what's that going to be like? And being around <laughs> these kids, I'm like, oh, my kids are going to be okay. Like these Aww. high school kids are amazing. So I think I think showing up a, as a coach for a cross-country program is one of the most rewarding things you'll ever do. Wait, so what did you do with your – like were you a semi-stay-at-home mom? Like what did you do with your kids when you went to practice? I My daycare went till 6 p.m. So okay. I would go to practice till 5.55 and then I'd – I mean sometimes <laughs> 5 or whatever. And then now um, my kids are older so they're in elementary school and my husband has wonderfully – has become such an awesome or probably the biggest um, caregiver in our family. So I feel lucky in that regard. My kids came like part of the time, um, not all the time. It just depended on what was happening. My husband – who's Canadian, grew up as an ice hockey player. He's from Canada. And um, when I started coaching, he's like, he said to me, he's like, I grew up on the ice. Like my dad was always coaching and I grew up just shooting pucks on the ice in the background. He's like, I can't think of a better way for our kids to grow up is just playing in the sand pit. Now it is challenging sometimes to help as a mom, parent, just a parent, to feel like you, you want to give 100% to what you're doing, but you're also worried your kid's, like, getting in trouble off to the side. I know. Scared with the javelin. <laughs> yeah. But more often than not, there's other kids, like, the athletes are helping to take care of them, which is pretty cool, too. And I remember my second or third year in, I was definitely had a few moments where I felt overwhelmed and not and I wasn't doing a good job in any one thing. But then mm. a parent had said to me, I can't think of a better role model for my daughter to see you bringing your kids here and doing what you're doing. And I was like, okay. Like when I was having a hard moment, I kind of just thought back to those words as like, I, I may not be doing it, everything a hundred percent the way I want to do it, but I'm, I'm making an impact. And at the end of the day, that's important. I love that you said that because it kind of brings me back to that moment that I brought up earlier. I was struggling and feeling like I wasn't doing a very good job like with my mom stuff and like my friends like hey like what you're doing is really hard mm -hmm. like sometimes we need that like outside voice to tell us and like remind us mm -hmm. how well we're doing and that's a reminder for us to do that for other people too and I think that that's a stumbling block I think that people think oh I wouldn't be able to bring my kids with me and like that would be too big of a distraction and yeah and I think I, you just more often than not now you see women and men. I've, we've had male coaches that have brought their newborns to practice. And that's that's it's good for those boys mm -hmm. to see that there's a male on staff bringing his new – like he is in charge of the care of, your, of the kid. It's not just the female. It's the male. And he's, he's here for them, but he's also – his family life's important, and he's trying to balance both of them. And I think it's, it's – it's, it feels hard, but it's important. I mean, I think COVID helped with that a ton, honestly. Yeah. Like yeah. men having their kids sitting on their laps on conference mm -hmm. calls and like, yeah. oh, you can do it too. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. like we, we've been doing this all along. You can do it too. <laughs> yeah. um, and my husband does a, an amazing job with that. Like he's so used to kids coming in and out and dealing with it just as just like I just did on this yeah. call. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, 
so t- what are your like big dreams with Wildwood? You know, we um, we go – our big dreams are that Wildwood just continues to grow, right? And we reach more people. We want accessibility to all. We became a nonprofit. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. We Paperwork's still coming through, but we're in the process of becoming a nonprofit um, because we want to provide opportunities for anyone and everyone who wants um, – to grow as a coach and a runner. And so um, geographically, we'd like to grow um, and also being able to reach people of different populations, um, being able to represent um, all sorts of people in the sport is really important to us, but staying true to our mission, right? Like a lot of people will come to our clinics and they're like, well, we want more um, methods on training, like interval training and fartleks. And, and we just say like, that's just not what we do. Like there are so many clinics that provide the X's and O's, but we're really about, you know, emotional health, navigating puberty, changing bodies, nutrition, those kind of things. Um, and so we'll see, you know, how we evolve. We'd like to, we have a lot of like I think Robin mentioned earlier, we have so many support people. We have people we're bouncing ideas off. We have friends who are like, you should try this. Um, but Robin and I are also love coaching and we're moms. And so we can't navigate traveling across the country all the time. So um, we're in this kind of balance. We've um, had a couple of clinics that we've now done two years in a row. We wanted to make sure they grow and they are growing. So now we're kind of reevaluating like, what does that look like for us? Are there other people? Um, we get a lot of people who reach out to us and say, can you bring a clinic to our town? And right now with the two of us, we don't have that capacity, but we're hoping that we can um, grow in a way that feels um, not corporate, but authentic and that like it really um, aligns with our mission elsewhere besides the spots we're in now. How do you like manage that emotionally like you want so desperately for it to be everywhere and for everybody to have access but at the same time you also have a realistic view of like what your life looks like and yeah how much you can give I think and Robin please chime in I think it's our balance like Robin and I are, have very similar goals in terms of like what we love about Wildwood but we also have such a great friendship that we are able to be able to be like, what do you think about this? And honestly say like, that's too much for us or honestly mm-hmm. saying we can push ourselves here. And so really being able to like have those conversations, we met with someone who helped us like think about our long-term vision. And so we have some like plans in place to like check in with ourselves, but we also want to make sure that like we can live our lives with our families in those ways as well. Um, the hard thing is we started Wildwood as one clinic a year. So we've already grown way beyond what we've planned. Yeah. So we just want to make sure that um, we're not growing in a way that feels A, scary, like like we're out of control, or B, that we're not staying true to who we are. When, we, when we've when we grown, like for instance, we added this the Naperville um, clinic. And this was our second year doing it in Chicago. Mm. And... But we had great partners. So with Dan Iverson, who's the coach at Naperville North, and Mahesh, who's the coach at North Central College, um, we those two are kind of on the ground doing a, a lion's share of the work and prep for this event. Yeah. And that couldn't happen without them. Mm-hmm. So it's like as we meet people and and we and us just being you know um, upfront with them about okay if you want us to depending on what the event looks like. If it's a virtual event, it's easy. But if it's like on the ground in another geographic location that's not close to Portland, you know, all, this work is going to need to be done on your on your side in order for this event to be successful. And I think we have found good partners in that way that have been really helpful, believe in the mission, and are willing to kind of step up and, and, and put things in place so that it can be successful. Well, how can we support it? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, um, following us on Instagram, sharing information um, that we post, um, sharing events that we're hosting, attending an event if you can. We try to provide some sort of virtual option every year, although we've gone more in person um, just as we've gotten further away from COVID. But there's always opportunities to be involved with events, sharing of information. Um, Reach, you know, the other thing that we've had some success at is um, girls um, starting their own, um, if the words chapters. escaping me, chapters. Oh, so yeah. Are, so are people way, doing that? Yeah, there, there's a Texas chapter, there's a Seattle chapter, there's a Eugene chapter. How do you like 
if they're using your name, like making yeah. sure that it's like what you need it to be. Mm-hmm. We meet with them. We talk to them up front about, you know, just again, just having those. We have no like set policies in place, but it's just we do check ins. We have conversations. We um, mostly they're just they have an Instagram presence and then they're hosting events where girls can come and run, be together. Maybe they bring in a speaker that a Wildwood speaker virtually or in person. Mm hmm that hosts a conversation um they usually reach out to us to get you know to pick our brains on ideas things things of that nature so that's really been the the extent of what a chapter it's yeah social events some informational event and then kind of an online presence which is all fairly easy to monitor so that's another way that if girls and or coach is interested and bringing it immediately to their area, they could reach out and say, hey, I'd like to bring a chapter. Maybe they have a couple of captains that would be interested in starting it. It's got to, I think it's got to, the idea could come from the coach, but it's definitely got to come internally from the girls. Um, yeah. They have to want to do it because it's, it's some work on their part. Okay. Well, we will link to Wildwood um, in the show notes. Um, what's the website? wildwoodrunning.com. And I think one of our, I'm going to add on to Robin, I think one of our big events um, this December 8th and 9th, we're hosting um, our kind of big clinic in Portland. And we have Diljeet Taylor's coming to speak as well as Dan Iverson. And we're putting a great lineup in. So I think it's, you know, even though we go other places, the Portland one is the one we're going to try and keep the largest and create socials and events around it so we can build community. Coaches can learn from each other. Um, you know, last year we've done two in Portland and it, it doubled in size. And so we feel like it's a really great opportunity for coaches um, to come and learn from some experts. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we'll link to that event okay. as well as the is the event at, like the link is up and everything. Um, it's not up yet. Yeah. It will be probably in September, I would say. Okay, um, perfect. Yeah, but not yet. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we always wrap up here with some into podcast questions, so I'll just shoot them, shoot them your way, and you guys can, um, you can jump in. Uh, what is something professionally or personally you would like to do that you have not done yet? We'll start with you, Robin. Professionally, I feel like I'm doing what I want to do. I, I don't have any uh, many bigger goals beyond wildwood and coaching to be honest that's amazing Um, though let's just like acknowledge that like that is so cool i just want to enjoy what i'm doing be there for my kids um personally my my daughter's gonna is a senior she's graduating this year my personal mission this year is just to be present for her and enjoy all the activities that come along with her being a senior um there's a lot of end of year type stuff and um Sometimes it's hard for me to say no to things or to balance stuff, but I feel like I'm doing a better job at that, um, partially thanks to Marie, who challenges me to like be more vulnerable. And um, and uh, I think we've done a good job with both work-life balance, and I think so being there for my kids this year is my personal goal. Yeah. Um, for me personally is to continue to um, find my voice. Um, whether it's supporting people or whether it's speaking um, in tough conversations um, that need to that might support or um, someone or myself or just being able to get in into the thick of it if I need to in a positive and kind way because that's definitely how I am and then professionally it's to continue um, to evolve as a coach and being able with our coaching staff to have like real and honest conversations at Lincoln. Um, without always taking things personally. That's mm. a personal goal for me. Yeah. There's a book someone recommended called Unoffendable. Oh, yeah? I don't know the author. I don't know anything about the book, so nobody take this to heart. I'm not recommending it. I haven't read it, but I love the title. Yeah, I'll write that down. <laughs> yeah. Now, you could tell me if you end up reading it, if it's good, because I, I do have it on my list to check out, and I just keep forgetting, but I'm like, I love that, because not to say that we don't have a – you know, reason to get upset about things sometimes, but if we kind of like come at things with that mindset, yeah, it's, it's a different lens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Speaking of that, what's the best, most recent book you've read? I, I think for me, I just reread the practice of groundedness. I love that book. Okay. So listen, I just talked to Brad yesterday yeah. and his new book, master of Change, is coming out in September and it's my favorite one of his so far. Oh, that's awesome. So he's doing a virtual thing for us on August 9th. 
for a while. Oh, the way cool. Through. Yeah. Because oh, um, awesome. I would love for him to speak, but we can't afford him at this point oh. in time. <laughs> but yeah, that's great. I'm so excited to hear about that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that the new book is like, to me, it's just like where, where I am in my life master of change there's a lot of change happening yeah, right. and so many things and so um yeah it's really good but okay. I love practice of groundedness as well yeah um I completely not a professional or like educational book oh <laughs> good I think, I think I told Marie I read or I can't remember if I told Marie but I very rarely do I actually sit down and just read like a for pleasure book uh-huh and we were at my husband's cottage. They have a cottage on a lake in Canada. And I read, I just picked it up. It's called The House Across the Lake. It's like a murder mystery. And I read the whole thing from cover to cover in like three days. And I don't think I've done that in like four years or five years. Um, I, I pick up books and I'll read chapters. And I read a lot of, you know, things that I enjoy for helping my team. But I rarely just read a book to read a book just to enjoy getting lost in a different story. Um, I think that book is having a moment because I actually just read it too. Oh, okay. um, it's Riley Sager, right? Yes, yes. It, it got a little little crazy at the end. I was like, uh, but like I really enjoyed it too. It was a huge page turner for sure. It was a big, it's just a page turner. It's yeah. yeah. For sure. And um, I was at a lake. So yeah. <laughs> did you swim in the lake? Oh yeah. I was telling my kids about the story. They're like, mom, I can't believe you're reading that book. And I'm like, I'm bad. I'm a little, I'm a little sick like that. Like, <laughs> uh, what's your last message to leave with the audience? Um, mine would be to, uh, be grateful for those around you, your community. Um, I think for me lately, like having a strong community has been just like so um, powerful in my life. And I think sometimes you don't realize your community until you like start thinking about the people that are there for you. You're like, gosh, I really do have this because I feel like we can feel so alone sometimes in our endeavor, no matter where we are in life. Um, but just taking the time to be grateful for those around you and letting them know. Mm. Yeah. I think um, truly understanding who you who you are as a person and um, being able to like honor and be proud of who you are, but then also um, do work to make to continue to grow and evolve is really important. Thank you so much, ladies. Thanks for coming on the show and all you're doing with Wildwood. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, you for having us. All right, everybody. Thank you, Robin and Marie, for coming on the podcast. I hope everybody listening will go check out Wildwood Running at wildwoodrunning.com. All of the links to everything we talked about in this episode will be in our show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. Shout out to V.02 for supporting this series. Go to v.02.com to learn more. Use the code Coach Lindsay to get 20% off your annual subscription. Thanks for being here, friends. We've got two more episodes in the high school coaching series, and uh, we will also see you Friday for our regular episodes. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you soon.